This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Susan Azari, mobile app commercial lead at the Ferry Group. Susan, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Try to recall what you did first this morning. Well, after you stopped hitting snooze on your alarm app, I bet it was making a decision, a small one. We do them all the time, and we just don't notice it. When it comes to marketing of your app, you need to decide on a lot of things. And so what may help you to make some of those decisions? Right, A-B testing. To talk about best practices, we have Susan to give us a practical advice. Let's talk about you, Susan, first. Tell us about yourself. Hi, so uh, as you've mentioned, I'm mobile app commercial lead at The Very Group. I was living in London for the past eight years, working in marketing, and then recently I moved back up to Liverpool to come and work for The Very Group, which is really exciting. So I joined them about a year ago now. Oh, that's, that's awesome. So it's been a year. Okay, so in our conversation prior, prior to this interview, you said that A-B testing is your favorite topic. Why so? It's my favorite topic because I think it's a great method of being able to try out a hypothesis. So I think often as marketers, you know, we've seen some competitor activity or we might have run a certain campaign at a previous company. And we often just assume that we'll see the same results if we're to repeat that somewhere else. And I think that A-B testing is great at being able to allow you to run a few different scenarios and then look at how that impacts user behavior. I think the main thing that I love about it is in terms of decision making within businesses. It's very easy for people to have subjective opinions about what they think might work best. But I think realistically, you know, data tells the true story. So that's the main reason why I'm a big fan of A-B testing. All right. So you'll love to rely on hard data. Yes, definitely. Okay, that's that's important in this world uh, full of fake news and stuff. Yeah. Still relied on hard data and truth. Okay, let's imagine I'm a brand owner. Uh, perhaps it's a small e-commerce startup. So I've got some funding, which gave me both confidence that I'm on the right path and I have a bit of anxiety to justify the trust. And so I've been planning to do some marketing for my app. I know it's important. Now, why do I need to do A-B testing for it? And what are the proper steps to do A-B testing for my app? Sure. So I think that the reason why A-B testing is important can fall under a few different streams of activity. So one might be that you're running a particular set of activity for the first time and you might want to understand what's the true incremental impacts of that in terms of uh, whatever KPI is that you're optimizing towards. So one A-B test can actually fall in the holdout group and a test group audience. So you can see where the uplift is in terms of the test group that you're showing a certain campaign to. But it might be that you're also not really sure where to start from a copy or a creative perspective. You might want to test a few different scenarios to help you understand sort of the, the type of campaigns that help drive conversions for your business. And so in terms of, you know, the, the steps to follow in order to carry out that A-B testing properly for your app, really it's about starting with generating a list of ideas. I think this is a great place to start in terms of getting stakeholders together, thinking about all the different areas that you want to test, just getting everything down. And then you can start to organize those into themes and with a different hypothesis against each of those as well starting to create a plan and document with a roadmap of what it is that you want to test 
what are the things that you want to test that you think will deliver the biggest impact and what the main KPIs will be against those. And then you've got sort of a set timeline there. And then in terms of establishing what that timeline might be, I think it's really important to determine what your testing sample size will be. And this will help you ensure that your results are statistically significant. And it might be that you, I think it's quite easy to think, let's just run a 50-50 test. Um, mm-hmm. It might be that you want, you want to limit the risk of your campaign by actually testing a smaller audience. So you can determine what that might be up front. And then once you've run your test, I think the most exciting part is actually finding out if your test variant has won, if your hypothesis was correct. And this is where you start to sort of look at the various KPIs against each of the the test groups, see how they've performed, but really looking at all the metrics down the funnel. So this will help kind of give a clearer picture in terms of what parts of the customer journey it's impacted. And I would say most importantly, like, there's no such thing as a failed test. I think that you can always learn from it, continue to develop different iterations, remove elements that might not have worked and make sure that you're centralized and capturing your test results in one document and then communicating those next steps as well in terms of what you tested in the past, what you've learned and what you'll do in the future. So you're saying you have to be in a right mindset It's not about proving your theory. It's about figuring out what's working, what's not. So there is no uh, such outcome that not desirable. Like any outcome is a piece of data that will help you to build your marketing strategy later, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Is there any like specific number about like in terms of the size, how many versions should I try on or it's just purely arbitrary? You can pick up anything you like. I think it will depend on your audience size in terms of the the split that will be available to you. It will depend on how long you want to run the test for. So if you were to introduce, say, five different variants, you'd have to run your test for a lot longer as each group within those would be smaller in order to Mm -hmm. get a statistically significant result. So it it just depends on a balance in terms of actually do you want to just run something for a short period of time to see how it performs and therefore just have two variants or yeah, if you're happy for it to run over a longer period of time. All right, got you. You've been in the marketing business for a while, so I, I bet you some pretty big number of mistakes people are, are making. So what are mistakes people should, should be aware of not to repeat when it comes to do A-B testing? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think some things that happen quite often are around almost just sort of the simple like pr- proofreading or, or kind of the last final sign-off checks. I think that if, that if that's not done thoroughly, often you can roll out a test and then your results are skewed because maybe there was a mistake in the campaign. It wasn't set up the way that you wanted to in terms of like the allocation split. I think also just being aware of anything that could skew your results, you know, particularly mm-hmm. at the moment in the midst of a pandemic, this might not be the best time to be testing new activity because the market behavior in a few months time will be completely different. Like this isn't sort of an atypical time for a consumer. So I think it's being mindful of what else has happened in the market as well, because it could be that you end up having to run the same test again in a few months time to see how the results shift as a result of the current market situation. I think I've heard about this uh, scientific principle uh, multiple times on various podcasts, which is control your variables. If you are trying to set up an experiment with two or more variables, the data will be useless. Every time it's going to be one variable, otherwise you're just losing yourself, right? 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you don't want to be testing too much at the same time. And I think also I see people often, it's not necessarily a mistake, but I think that people can get quite excited a few days into a test, um, see a positive result. It's statistically significant. Okay, okay, actually this variant's won, but often it's best to let a test run for a minimum of a full week because days of week can skew results within the test. So I think it's also being mindful of that instead of yeah, turning off a test too quickly. That's a nice one. I got it. What is the difference between doing A-B testing for iOS App Store and Google Play? From an app marketing perspective, for which of these two doing A-B testing is more efficient? It's definitely more efficient within the Google Play Store. The reason for that is that the platform has an inbuilt testing feature, and this allows you to test a number of different features from within your App Store listing from icon through to screenshots, promo videos, full or short length descriptions. However, I would say that the metrics in the platform quite can be quite limited. They're, they're pretty much isolated from like impressions through to install volumes. And um, it doesn't show you sort of that post install the funnel metrics iOS doesn't have any inbuilt testing feature within the platform, but there are some workarounds available. So you can test different creative ad sets within Apple search ads. And, that, and that's one way of uh, being able to get some kind of understanding between different creative variants within your app store. Um, and there are some third parties that do allow you to have um, an overlay on top of the iOS app store um, mm-hmm. to test different creatives. And that's based on driving paid traffic through to those sources. So I think the thing to be mindful of is that often the approach is that because it's easier to directly uh, test different elements in the Google Play Store, to just assume those learnings can be carried across to iOS but I think it's being mindful that it's quite a different experience and different consumer so one doesn't necessarily translate to the other. Yeah there's a famous difference in how much money people spend on the Google Play and the iOS app store it's kind of a slightly different probably more than slightly different mentality or just so you have to aware that the results you're getting from your testing on the Google Play be careful with applying the same setup on the iOS app store. What about the time frame? Like you can set up the time frame for your testing in Google Play, like whatever you like, a couple of days, a couple of weeks. There's no limitation or there are certain boundaries? So there are no limitations. So when you set up the test and your number of variants, essentially it keeps running until it gets to a statistically significant volume. But that's really impacted by the amount of pressures that come through to your app store. So depending on other activity that you have live, often we found that that some we get statistical significance within a week, but we've had some tests where we've had multiple variants, three or four, that have run for almost four weeks before we've had a result. So it can vary, but there's no set time that they give you. It's flexible. That's awesome. You mentioned there are certain tools to use. So let's talk about some tools that would be useful for people to to use to do A-B testing more efficiently. So what are those? Yeah, absolutely. So to go back to when I was talking through sort of some of the the top line steps of ways of A-B testing, I was talking about uh, determining your sample size up front, and that will help you understand how many test variants you can have, how long the test can run for. There's a great free online calculator by Optimizely that allows you to see what sample size you might need. And then once you've run the test, you'll then want to see actually are the results statistically significant. Um, There's another great online tool by uh, Splitly that allows you to see this. Once you have your final metrics, you can enter those in and it literally just takes a couple of seconds. Another great tool that I've discovered recently is by an ASO consultancy called Feature, but spelt with a 
PH. And they've built an Apple search ad statistical significance tool. So to go back to where I was talking about creative set targeting and testing there, this tool actually helps you do the upfront work in terms of determining like the strategy and then helps you look post A-B testing if the results are significant or not. So that's one I would highly recommend checking out. Awesome. We'll be putting the links to those tools into the episode description so people can check them out. Okay, so now I have a few uh, quick questions to you. Here we go. So are you iOS or Android person? iOS, big Apple geek. Definitely iOS. Since the day one? Yeah, pretty much since day one. I remember I got my first. It was the iPod Shuffle, I think, and that was about, oh, maybe... 12 years ago or so yeah and i absolutely loved it mm, wow that's pretty impressive i think i've, I've got my ipod sorry i want to say ipod yeah ipod mini oh yeah um, t- 2005 yes yeah, actually 15 years ago so yeah, yeah pretty much in the same ballpark as you did what was your first mobile phone but my first mobile phone, it was just before I joined secondary school and it was a Nokia 3310. I remember being very happy because it was the version that had the game Snake on it. So that was made me happy to get it for that reason, to be honest. Yeah, this is, uh, it's, it's harder to get a, uh, to pick up one smartphone that people would be choosing. Uh, like, yeah, people may stick to iPhone 11 or Samsung Galaxy 10 or something, but it's not like, you know, back in those days, it was a, not get a third. Yeah, many options. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing else. Like, yeah, that that was the magnet. Well, what about now? What, what is your favorite app uh, you really like? My favorite app, I think I would base this just more on what I use most often. So I'm a very organized person. So I use the Google Calendar app and also Moleskin, who they do these really nice notepads. Mm. They, they have an app called Actions, which I love. Just the user experience is so nice. It's basically my digital to-do list. And you can have different categories of lists and you can customize the colors. And they're just really slick and easy to use. And it's really satisfying when you can swipe to say that you've done something. So, yeah, that's my favorite. How about you use notebooks from Mouskin, right? Yeah, I have. Yeah, but I'm trying to yeah, move everything to being a bit more yeah, digital now. So I see it's a natural progression. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> What about uh, an app that you've been using and for a while you thought like, now that all that hype was uh, basically, it didn't deserve that hype. It doesn't work for you. This might be controversial and I still do use the app, but in terms of where I think it's overrated for a few reasons, I want to say Instagram. And the reason why I would say that is that I think that a lot of their strategy behind the user experience and push notifications, to me, it never feels like it's built with the end user in mind. A lot of their algorithm changes are definitely penalized, like some people who are influencers or creators on the platform in terms of visibility. And I think a lot of what they do is more geared towards sort of that Addictive nature of sort of getting you back in the app, constantly scrolling. And so I think that, yeah, it's never, to me, never feel like the strategy has been about the end user. It's more about, I guess, what's driving their KPIs. So long gone the days when the Instagram was just launched and it was all about doing cool photos with your camera yeah. that is in your pocket. I know that's the thing that's really to simplify it, that is what it was for. And now it's just yeah, become this it's absolute the machine. Yeah. Okay, so, but speaking of the new technologies that are on the horizon, what are you waiting for? What are you most excited about? I'm quite excited and interested to see where the industry goes with progressive web apps or PWAs, because... Mm. 
I think that in terms of how they sit outside of the app stores, particularly with, with e-commerce businesses, I've not seen many of them utilize PWAs yet. So I'm interested to see sort of it over the next few years, how the industry starts to adopt those more. And if I'm not mistaken, it's still limited to Android only, right? Yeah, correct. Because mm. I think I've heard rumors that the version for the iOS is coming, but at this point, it's just, oh, okay. it's just a rumor. Yeah, it will be interesting to hear the WWDC in a couple of weeks. Probably yeah. one of the announcements will be dedicated to this stuff. Yeah, that'd and be on- really interesting. And online only for the first time. Yeah. Okay, that's actually it. But before I let you go, uh, how can people know more about what you do? So definitely you can uh, connect with me on LinkedIn uh, if you search <clears> for my name. And on there, I'm always posting. Um, so I write a few articles for a few different marketing sites. So I'll always post there if I'm doing any talks or uh, publishing any content. Uh, and yeah, feel free to, to reach out on message. That's awesome. Thank you. Thanks a lot for your time and coming on our podcast, Susan. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that was Susan Azari, mobile app commercial lead at The Very Group. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just search your business of apps and you will find us easily. Once you subscribe, you will be able to get new episodes in your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review and comment. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. See you next week. Bye. This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.